Brownstone with Jara Monique. I'm your host, Jara, and this is the show where we explore how people experience and engage with different aspects of life from their varied perspectives, all while sharing some laughs, some gags, and some advice. On today's episode, we are talking about free will and autonomy within relationships. And it's just a solo episode this week, y'all. So it's just me and you. (laughs) So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we dive into our first segment called What's the Meaning? And this is where we take a word that's related to today's topic or one floating around in the zeitgeist and we discuss what it means in relation to ourselves or in this case, to myself. (laughs) So today's word is vulnerable. So vulnerable. What, why, um, why am I talking about this? Why did I dare bring it up? But I mean, I feel like this has been um, something that is discussed in some way, shape, or form each and every single episode. And um, vulnerability is something that I sort of encourage, you know, myself to like achieve every time I record and something that I'm hoping those that I'm recording with feel comfortable and safe enough to place themselves in sort of vulnerable positions um, when we're speaking and chatting on this show. And I hope that, you know, you all listening feel like you can be vulnerable with us as well, even if we're not, you know, actually speaking or in the same room, but hopefully through connecting through the show and through the episodes, um, you're able to, to be vulnerable and just, you know, having sort of any sort of realizations or any connections with any of the things that are talked about or shared. Um, But vulnerable and vulnerability have been, I don't know, I feel so huge in my life, especially this last year of just feeling like I've been in a very consistently vulnerable space in my own uh, personal life. So um, just to get to the sort of definition, um, I did look it up online and Webster defines vulnerable as being open to attack or damage or as being capable of being physically or emotionally wounded. And I mean, I guess that's a pretty succinct definition. I mean, it's Webster, so we got to trust her, right? She knows all the words, but um, the whole being open to attack, right? Or just capable of being wounded in all these different ways. And yeah, I think that's what vulnerability can feel like, right? Like you've put yourself in a position to be hurt. Um, And generally for me, I feel like that's because I've shared um, things about myself, whether that's emotional things, mental things, things, um, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, but I've, I've shared things that I maybe wouldn't normally share with many people or wouldn't even share with, you know, anyone outside of myself and, you know, within the sharing sort of creates this space of being vulnerable where now I feel like, okay, I've maybe given someone information that they can use to hurt me with, you know, like, which I think is just one part of of it, of like, how can someone hurt you? Like, how are you open to being wounded just by sharing? And it's like, well, you know, whoever I've shared with may at some point in time, you know, be vindictive or be upset or hurt by me and use the things that I've shared with them against me, right? Throw it back in my face. You know, that happens a lot all the time when people get into arguments and stuff. And, you know, I'm not judging. I think we're all capable of wounding each other in that way, which is why vulnerability feels so high stakes. Like, at least for me, I'm like, oh, like giving someone the power essentially to hurt me. Like, why? Like, who, like, who wants to be hurt? No one wants to be hurt. (laughs) But, um, it's like, you also have to though put yourself in vulnerable positions or like vulnerable positions. (laughs) 
I don't mean like that, but like <laughs> you have to um, put yourself in a vulnerable space sometimes in order to really connect with folks or to let people in, right? To let people see you um, and to allow the space for them to share with you, you know, in turn. So, and it's also like, you know, love kind of gets to exist in that, in that space that we create. Right. Um, so that's, that's the beautiful part of it. But I feel like aside from just like someone potentially using the things that I've shared against me, there's also this sort of intimacy that you create when you have been vulnerable with someone. And within that intimacy, I think sometimes we can derive different expectations right? For the person and for the relationship. And this could be romantic and platonic and familial and, and all the other relationships that we're able to, to have. Yeah. It's sort of, it's like, okay, now you know something about me, or I've been in this space where, where I just feel connected to you and we built this sort of intimacy. And now if you go away, that's going to hurt me. Now I'm vulnerable right? Or if something changes about our relationship and our dynamic, it has the potential to hurt me. So that leaves me vulnerable. And essentially that's every single relationship because we're all changing all the time, right? So of course, you know, I don't even know where I'm going with that. (laughs) I lost my train of thought. Uh, these solo episodes are so funny because it's really me and my stream of consciousness, like just rambling and without another person here to just kind of like, you know, be on the other side of this. I can just go on like these tangents um, (laughs) as I'm also just like processing my thoughts and saying them as I'm processing them. So, you know, bear with me, bear with me (laughs) y'all. But um, yeah, there's just something... I don't know, beautiful and necessary, but like frightening about being vulnerable and um, like discussing it in this way. And the sort of examples that I brought up of being like having shared, you know, very personal information and then being open to being wounded by someone using that against you and also um, being vulnerable in building and creating intimacy with someone and being wounded or hurt by them leaving or, you know, the relationship changing or them changing or even yourself changing and being hurt or wounded in that way as well, right? And so I think for a large part of my my life, my adult life, certainly I I think had subconsciously maybe tried to guard myself from this type of wounding. Like I didn't want to be in a position where people could hurt me um, because I had been hurt, you know, as a, as a child or hurt as a, as a teen, as an adolescent. And so I had sort of guarded myself where um, not that I didn't feel hurt because I did, but I more so sort of like adopted the persona of like, well, I'm never going to show you that I'm hurt and I'm never going to like tell you that you've hurt me because then I'm telling you that like you matter to me or like, (laughs) which sounds a little insane because it's like, how was I then building sort of intimate relationships if I was like afraid to be openly vulnerable with people and, um, I probably wasn't like certainly platonic relationships. I've always been fortunate enough to have wonderful, wonderful friends and wonderful, wonderful friendships in my life um, since I was a child. And I still have a lot of those friendships till this day. And, you know, others I don't, but um, I've been very blessed in that way to just be able to have um, friendships and the space to be, vulnerable with those people. But um, where I sort of safeguarded myself a lot was in like romantic spaces where I was just like, I'm not about to tell you that I like you or that I want you so that you can somehow use this against me. I don't know where I got that perception that like romantic love and um, 
being vulnerable within that space was something that I needed to shy away from or something that I needed to protect myself from. I'm not exactly sure. And that's probably like more personal work that I need to do. And perhaps, you know, you all may have an idea, not about like me, because like, how could you know my own psyche and stuff like that? But um, I mean, it could be just in general growing up as like a woman and just seeing all the ways that, um, you know, women are constantly put in positions of vulnerability with, you know, patriarchy and um, all these like other, you know, misogyny and all these things that kind of exist within our society. So it could have been something in me just being like, I ain't about to be vulnerable with no man so that <laughs> he can have me out here looking crazy. <laughs> so it might've been the young feminist in me that was like, no, <laughs> not me, not going to happen. Like I'm not about to give you something that you could then use against me. But um, the downside to that is you don't, or I necessarily didn't allow for the good to happen, like for the beautiful things to happen that can happen when you're just allowing yourself to be vulnerable with someone and allowing them to be vulnerable with you as well. So it's like a sort of like balance that I'm learning to find and that perhaps many people um need to find in sort of like taking the time to get to know someone, taking the time to figure out like, is this someone that I want in my space? Is this someone, you know, with integrity and someone who has compassion and empathy and, you know, honesty? Is this someone that I can trust? And um, I'm speaking like in, in terms of romantic relationships, in, in this sort of, in this aspect. Um, and from there kind of assess, like, is this someone that I can be vulnerable with? And, you know, I think that scale sort of changes all the time. And that's the sort of thing that I'm learning about vulnerability is like, I think there's levels to it, just like with everything and like stages to it. So it's like, now I'm in the space where I can trust myself to, you know, follow my intuition to know like when I'm being guided in the right direction, when I'm encountering someone that I can, you know, slowly take those steps to like open up to and not have to have like my wall so high, not to have, you know, not have to um, throw sort of like challenges out there to be like, are you going to get through this challenge? Like, (laughs) are you going to pass this test? And then I can, you know, show you another layer of myself or then I can let down my guard because then, you know, it's just like a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy of like being alone because it's like people get tired of the test, you know? So yeah, but it's interesting. I think vulnerability is something that is necessary for intimacy in all manner of relationships. And if you um, listen to the crossover episode, shout out to the, uh, social takeout and Jeremy and Sarai, but the crossover episode I did with social takeout, we discuss um, intimacy and our experiences with it. And, and also um, on Jeremy and Sarai's social takeout episode, which I was featured on, whoop, whoop, um, which everyone should listen to. Of course, (laughs) we discussed like sex versus intimacy or, um, sexual intimacy, I guess. And so I'll be sort of talking about that side of things a little bit more um, on the second half of this show. But uh, yeah, I think vulnerability is a sort of necessary component in building intimacy and sort of creating the space for it. And it is something that is very delicate, I think, and something that um, is precious, right? Like when someone is entrusting us with themselves. There's something incredibly beautiful and incredibly moving about that and something that we shouldn't take for granted. But it also can be overwhelming, right? That level of responsibility and vice versa when we're entrusting ourselves with some, you know, to someone. Um, It can be scary, but it can also be incredibly beautiful to know that, you know, we are not alone. We are being accepted um, for who we are as we are and that we're willing to do the same for others. But yeah, in that vulnerability, in that space, there is 
the room to be heard. And I think that also is part of it. And not that we're out here trying to hurt people intentionally, um, but that it does happen as just a product of life and relationships and living and learning and growing. So I hope that we're all in the space, you know, where we can allow ourselves to be vulnerable, but also be wise and mindful about, you know, who we are being vulnerable with and, um, yeah, and just sort of aware of the responsibility also that comes with that on the other side, the accountability of when people are being vulnerable with us and, yeah, and how that sort of vulnerability can change throughout a relationship and the stages that it can go through throughout a relationship where sometimes we're, we're more vulnerable with our partners or our friends or whoever. And sometimes, you know, we're less because of our own personal things, but yeah, I think it's so interesting. And I want to hear from you all about how you perceive um, vulnerability and what you think it is to be vulnerable. And are you as hung up on the sort of wounding part as I am, you know, do you guys have as much trust issues as I have apparently. <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to head to our first break and we'll be right back with the stupid. Hello and welcome back to the show. Um, so before we get into the stoop and our second segment and our main topic discussion, I do want to do a little bit of housekeeping and I do want to um, sort of have my call to action here to remind all of you wonderful, beautiful, beautiful people to please rate, review, and subscribe to the show um, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, um, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Ghana, um, yeah, iHeartRadio I now, like the brownstone is everywhere, y'all. <laughs> Um, so please, if you could just hit that follow button, hit that subscribe so you can get these um, episodes every Monday downloaded onto your mobile device or even onto your um, desktop, your PC, your laptop, your iPad, however it is that we all um, use or whatever the means are that we use to listen to these episodes, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And also, if you like what you hear, please um, feel free to leave a review. You can even just leave the five stars. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, because that, you know, of course, contributes to the algorithm and just gets the episode out there. And um, it really, really helps me a lot. And I would be so grateful um, if you would all do that. And if you feel so moved to just share this show on your social media um, or just, you know, tell a friend like, hey, I listened to this, you know, funny, insightful podcast. And yes, I'm calling myself funny or my guest funny <laughs> and insightful. And, you know, we had a, they had an episode on intimacy or they had an episode on fuck boys or they had an episode on creativity they had an episode on domestic violence they had an episode on whatever whatever it is um that you feel moved by hopefully feel moved by then please feel free to share it with your family your friends your coworkers, um your baby mamas your baby daddies everybody um yeah so we could just continue growing so thank you and now we'll get into the show so we are now headed to our main topic discussion known as the stoop. And this is where we put our satin bonnets on, take our bras off and get comfortable. And as I mentioned today, we are talking about free will and autonomy within relationships. Okay. So in case y'all, you know, was asking Jara, free will and autonomy and relationships, like, where where did you get that from, girl? What's that about? Um, well, I would say, first of all, thank you for asking. Second of all, <laughs> this actually came to me, this topic came to me in the shower, um, where I feel like the majority of my topics come to me is in the shower. I don't know if anyone else has that, where like you just do your best thinking 
when you're just like under the water, there's just something so, I don't know, cleansing and therapeutic, like obviously cleansing, but there's just something sort of meditative as well that happens for me when I'm in the shower and I'm just thinking. Um, And these topics sometimes just come to me or they'll just be things that I'm trying to work through. And I'll be like, wow, that's like really interesting. I want to bring that to the show. So a few weeks ago, um, I had just been thinking about how does one maintain their autonomy within a relationship? And I was thinking within a romantic relationship in particular. And I know everything isn't about romance. I know, you know, the be all end all of life isn't, you know, romantic love. I know that sometimes even the purest, deepest loves come, you know, from friendships, from family, from, you know, your work, from your pets, just outside of just romance. So I'm fully aware of that. And I hope that we all have you know, all of that outside of romantic love. But in this instance, I was thinking about a romantic relationship when I was um, sort of pondering this question. And the reason I was like sort of asking myself is because, um, of course, and I'm going to relate it to myself, right? Because I can only speak on my own experience, but sometimes I have a tendency to get kind of like obsessive about the people that I like or the people that I'm into. And it's my Scorpio Venus mixed with a bunch of other stuff. But um, <laughs> it is something that can happen to me where like, you know, especially in the early stages, right? When you when you first start getting to know someone or you first start feeling, you know, that rush of love or lust or whatever it is for someone, you can kind of just be thinking about them all the time or like, you know, you want to speak to them all the time. You want to see them all the time and it can get a little overwhelming, right? Cause you can kind of just forget yourself for a minute and just be like, wait, you were a whole ass person with a whole ass life before this person came. Like you need to chill. But I was also thinking too, like the ways when people form sort of romantic partnerships, like especially over long periods of time, you know, they always say you kind of start to meld in, you know, meld into each other and, you know, relationships. It's always about compromise, compromise, compromise is what we always hear. And I was wondering, like, what happens to the individual, so to speak, within the relationship? Like, do I just stop, you know, wanting what I want? Do I, like, is it always a thing that needs to be compromised on? Or like, when do you get to exercise that sort of free will or that autonomy separate from your person? Because you are a separate person, no matter, you know, as much as all of us, you know, we want our soulmates and we want to be with our divine counterparts and twin flames and, you know, all that stuff. Yes, me too. I do want that as well. But you know, you can't like forget yourself within that, right? Like having your own goals or having your own dreams, your own ambitions. Um, but also like you, you are still just your own person. So how do you navigate that within a relationship when sometimes your needs and your wants conflict with that of your partners? Like, is it always just a matter of like compromising? And so- I was like positing this question to myself of like, how do you maintain your autonomy within relationships? And, um, and it may have also been because I am reading this book called mating in captivity, which, um, once again, slight little segue. If you, um, go to the episode, the crossover episode that I have with Jeremy and Sarai, the host of social takeout, then there is a link to their episode, which I am featured on. Once again, shout out to them, <laughs> which you can listen to. And I'll also place that link uh, again in the show description for this episode, in the show notes for this episode. But um, we do discuss sex versus intimacy. And I do bring up this book. And um, yeah, that is where I first brought it up. So, you know, that is a really good conversation. It is really interesting. Um And we talk about a lot of fun stuff. And, you know, if y'all are curious and you want to hear the answer to whether or not I would ever suck my partner's toes, then you can go check that episode out and listen to it (laughs) and find out the answer. But um, 
I'm bringing the book back up again because it is called Mating in Captivity, Unlocking Erotic Intelligence by Esther Perel, who is, you know, this dope, bomb-ass French um, therapist and psychotherapist. And she is so cool. And she has um, her own podcast called Where Should We Begin, which is like couples therapy, like literal people's couples therapy sessions on the podcast. And you kind of just see how she helps them work through things. And it's just like, if you're like a little bit like sort of voyeuristic and you just kind of want to see what other people's lives is like, then you would definitely enjoy it. But also it's super informative of just like, I don't know, figuring out different relationship stuff, like hearing things and seeing what that maybe brings up for you in the ways that people communicate with one another, especially, um, but it's super interesting, but yes, enough of plugging other people's podcasts. (laughs) So I've been reading this book and um, it talks about like, can we desire what we already have, right? Like does having good intimacy always make for, um, for good sex or does it make for sort of like a good erotic life with your partner? Because sometimes even though we all strive, right, for intimacy, especially within our romantic um, partnerships um, and within intimacy, I mean, vulnerability and all all of that that comes with it, not just sex, but when we strive for intimacy and being close with someone, right? That whole to become one, right? We're melding sort of into each other. You are my mirror and my reflection, you know, all that romantic poetic stuff that can sometimes have like the adverse effect to the erotic part of the relationship, to the desire part of the relationship. Whereas sometimes, even though we think, oh, we're building intimacy means that we should be building our um, sexual relationship as well. Like we should be building our erotic um, relationship as well. It sometimes has like the adverse effect where like you build intimacy with someone and then like the desire kind of just goes away. And it's curious because you're like, how come us getting to know one another on this really deep, deep level has somehow weakened our sexual desire for one another. And I'm not saying this is the case across the board. I'm not trying to generalize, but this is what she kind of goes to unpack and discover throughout the book. Um, And she uses different examples from different couples and stuff. And so I just find it like super interesting and intriguing. And um, part of that is I think like you have to maintain your autonomy to a certain degree within your relationships, you have to maintain your separate personhood in order to continue, I don't know, in order to continue building intimacy so it doesn't just like plateau, you know? So you're not just like, oh, we've been together years and like I can completely predict like what this person's going to do and like I don't actually want to have sex with them anymore or like you know, like, which obviously it happens, like life happens, right? And we're not always going to like want each other in the same way. And that's not even like, I mean, it it depends on everybody, but like the sexual part of a relationship isn't sort of the most important, depending on the person, depending on the couple. And there are many healthy romantic relationships and partnerships that don't contain or sex at all. And that's perfectly okay too. Like it's different for everybody. So I'm not making any sort of decree. I'm just like sort of discussing my own perspective and like my own sort of like unpacking of like, how do I stay myself within a relationship? Because I think that's part of my fear is that because I somehow like have a tendency to get kind of obsessive and I want to know everything and I want to explore everything about a person, like I have a fear that I will like forget myself and lose my independence, which I've like spent so long cultivating in my life or like have sort of always, I don't know, been proud about being such an independent person that um, that's kind of like a fear that I have and like a fear of commitment that's been like, I don't want to lose myself right? Because like, what happens if that thing ends? Then where does that leave me? You know? So that's, again, that fear of vulnerability. So see, guys, it's all tying together. It's all tying together. (laughs) 
<laughs> so um, I am going to read a little excerpt from the uh, book and sort of just like discuss it with you guys and get a little more into my sort of thoughts about how one can maintain their autonomy in a relationship because I do think it is possible. And for me, I think necessary, definitely, in maintaining a healthy relationship. So this is the excerpt and it says, love rests on two pillars, surrender and autonomy. Our need for togetherness exists alongside our need for separateness. One does not exist without the other. With too much distance, there can be no connection. But too much merging eradicates the separateness of two distinct individuals. Then there is nothing more to transcend, no bridge to walk on, no one to visit on the other side, no other internal world to enter. When people become fused, when two become one, connection can no longer happen. There is no one to connect with. Thus, separateness is a precondition for connection. This is the essential paradox of intimacy and sex. Ooh, sorry, y'all, I hit the headphones, but ooh, okay. Okay, Esther, come through. Thus, separateness is a precondition for connection. This is the essential paradox of intimacy and sex. Ooh. Oh my God, that is so good, right? I mean, <laughs> it's probably, you know, not groundbreaking, but sometimes when you see stuff just put a certain way and put within a certain context, it just be like, mind blown, okay? So the essential paradox, meaning togetherness and like togetherness can only exist due to separateness, right? Like the dark can only exist because of the absence of light and vice versa. It's just like, okay, so how do we navigate that? How do we find a balance? How do we not lose ourselves within our connections, because in the losing of ourselves, it can lead to a loss of intimacy, a loss of, you know, the attraction, sexual attraction, um, eroticness of our romantic relationships. And also just like, I don't know, a loss of just other stuff too, I'm sure. So what I have been thinking, right, when I was, you know, in the shower thinking about all this, because all of this did happen on a uh I think it was a day I was like, I was actually washing my hair <laughs> and this will show you just how long the process is to wash natural hair um, was because I had, I had time to have this whole kind of conversation with myself. <laughs> so what I had come to was like an example that I had like given myself was like, okay, so what if like my partner were to say to me, you know, babe, I'm, I'm like stressed. I'm overwhelmed. There's, you know, stuff going on for me personally. And I just need to like disconnect for, you know, a day or two. I'm going to go hiking in the mountains. I'm going to camp overnight and I'll be back. But like, I'm not taking my phone. I'm not taking my laptop. Like I'm just disconnecting from everything and everyone, including you just to go, you know, get centered, find some peace, find whatever it is that I need. And, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be back. And I was like, dang. Now I personally am someone that like, I, I don't know, like, <laughs> like I gave myself that example and, and like immediately kind of struggled with it. Cause I was like, what do you mean? You're just going to go completely off the grid for a day or two. And like, I can't get in touch with you. Like that's unacceptable. <laughs> And I was like, you know, the compromise. But, and then I was like, well, you have to find a compromise. And I was like, but is that fair? Like, should my partner have to compromise on something that they feel like they need to do for themselves? And should I, as someone who's like, well, I need to know at least that you're okay. 
should I have to compromise also my own sort of emotional and mental state, you know, because they need to go do something that I'm not completely comfortable with. And it's like, and if we both end up compromising, are we both still being true to ourselves? You know, and I was just like, well, free will sort of operates in many ways, right? Like my part, I could come to my partner and say, okay, I understand that you have to do that, but you need to understand that I'm not okay with you completely cutting me out as well. And if you're going to, if you're going to do that, then I'm afraid that we can't be together. Like, right. Like that's my free will. I could just end the relationship. And on the other side, my partner can say, well, this is what I need to do. If you don't understand it, then you don't understand me and we can't be together. And they have the free will to end the relationship as well, to end the connection. So I was like, damn, like free will is, is always present. There is no guarantee that our person will continue to choose us or that we'll continue to choose them each and every single day. We kind of get comfortable and we take that for granted. And it could be because we live together, we have children together, we have a business together, we have a you know a home together, we're married, but that is no guarantee. You know, it's like everyone still has their free will. So you have to make a conscious choice, right? And saying, I am choosing you, I'm choosing me, I'm choosing us. And in doing so, make peace, right? Kind of with like what comes after. So then I was thinking, okay, if I were in that situation and my partner said, you know, I need to just completely disconnect. I need to get away for two days. I'm going to go camping. I'll be back. I then would... And let's say I wanted to exercise my free will and my autonomy. And I was like, I'm not willing to end our connection and our relationship just because you need to do this thing that I'm uncomfortable with. However, where can we compromise? Are you, are you willing to at least, you know, let me know when you get to your campsite? Can you borrow somebody's phone and send me a quick text? Can you you know, find a payphone. I don't know, guys. I'm, I'm just using a very extreme example. But can you just let me know that you're okay so that I can be at peace? Like, I don't need to know, you know, what you're doing and all that stuff, but I just need to know that you're okay, right? Like, that's a sort of compromise that I might approach the situation with. And in order to do that, though, like I would I would obviously have to explain my side of it and where I'm coming from, whereas like not that I need to have access to you 24 seven, but I get worried if like you're out doing something and I know you don't have a phone or I know that like I can't get to you very easily in case of an emergency. So if you could just like at least find a way to let me know that like you're okay. And when you come home, then like, I would love it if you would just like immediately let me know that you're home or immediately, you know, come see me if that, you know, whatever. So I was like, okay, is that part of like autonomy as well in a relationship? Right. Like, cause I was just like, do you lose yourself over like constantly compromising or is autonomy just having things like outside of your relationship that are just yours? But I feel like autonomy involves choices and decisions, right? Like free will involves choices. So in order to maintain autonomy in relationships, in this case, romantic relationships, you have to be like consciously making the choice of like, this is the person that I want to be with. This is the connection I want to be in. And how can I navigate it? You know, or how can I navigate the things that come up within this relationship? But first I have to choose. And I was like, dang. And then you also have to give, obviously, the other person the space to choose as well. And, you know, hope that you're like choosing each other, but that's not always the case. And that, you know, needs to be communicated as well. But I think it was just like sort of eye-opening to me that I was like, oh, okay, choice. Like you have to make the choice that you want to try with this person and that you want to 
continue getting to know them almost like each and every single day, you know, not just in the beginning, not just when things get rocky, you know, but like all the time because, you know, we're all constantly changing and it's like, I don't know what new insight you've had into your life, into your past, into your future, unless I am curious enough to want to get to know that about you or ask you about it, but also respecting your boundaries and knowing that not all of you is going to be accessible to me and that's okay and vice versa. Because again, like Esther said, there needs to be a sort of separateness. Otherwise, where can it go? If you're fused together, where's the bridge? Where's the, I don't know, where's the the exploration? Where's the journey? If we're already one, then like, that's it. Like, (laughs) it's over. Like, this is just life. Like, we're now one person. Like, no. So um, at least for me, I'm, I'm just speaking for myself. But yeah, I'm still trying to like figure it out and like how this would actually work in my own life um, and in my relationships. And looking back at like things that I've done in the past and ways that I've reacted to things, I think like creating expectations for others was like one way in which I was trying to I think overstep or disregard other people's free will and autonomy, not saying like, Oh, you have to do X, Y, and Z, but like, that's sort of what expectations almost are, right? Like I expect you to do this. I expect you to be this type of person. And in doing so, I'm kind of like erasing your free will to just be who you are. And it's like, my expectations have to be personal. I have expectations for myself and I can't force you to fit within those expectations, but I can have standards, right? Standards that I set for myself. And I could say, these are the standards that I have for my relationships. I want them to be reciprocal. I want them to be filled with compassion, right? With empathy, with honesty, with trust, with affection. These are the standards that I have for myself with grace, right? The way that I treat myself is the way that I want to be treated in this relationship. Can you do that? And if the other person, and then, right? And then there's free will, right? Now I've given someone a choice. I'm not saying you have to. I'm saying, can you? Do you want to? And if you do, perfect. Like, let's do this. If you don't, then like, now I'm, I'm exercising my free will and I'm going to say goodbye because I'm going to stand in my standards without pushing my expectations onto you. Ooh, come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. Can we say therapy? So, you know, I'm learning. It's all a process. But, you know, when I'm in a relationship, because I am currently single, we'll see how I'm able to actually put these things into practice. Um, I'm hoping well, but, you know, I don't know. Life comes at you and things happen and you're not always able to just like sit back and really just like analyze things because you're in the moment. But, um, but yeah, I hope that example that I gave, that very long-winded example of like, what I perceived as like free will and autonomy being exercised in a relationship um, was helpful. And like (laughs) you all kind of could see where I was trying to go with that. And I would love to hear of like other examples that you all may have of even in your, your personal life or of friends, family or whatever, where you kind of see people um, exercising their free will and their autonomy within a relationship in a way that honors both parties or all the parties involved in the relationship. And I think that can be, it can be tricky and tough to navigate, but, um, I think, yeah, it's sort of necessary, right? It's, it's necessary, The separateness is a precondition, right, for the connection. This is the essential paradox of intimacy and sex. Like, we are separate beings, even though we're all, you know, created from the same source of love. But we're 
we're separate beings and we should honor that. Um, and yeah, but yeah, that's, that's kind of all I have on that for right now. And <laughs> we'll be right back for our last and final segment. All right. And we are back from our last and final break, and it is now time for the roundup. This is where we wrap up our discussion and share final thoughts. And this will also be the space for listener letters and comments. Should you all want to write into the show at the brownstone podcast at gmail.com. So yes, please write into the show. I have, um, a comment, as I mentioned, an email from Anthony that was like super um, insightful and interesting. And I'm going to be bringing up his um, comment on a future episode because I want to actually use it for a what's the meaning segment because I thought it was like a super, super um good word that he brought up. So yeah, you know, if you write in, I can share what you've uh, written with your permission on the show and it might possibly lead to a um, segment on the show, right? Which would be super cool. And I'd also just love to hear what you all think. Um, And you could also leave comments on social media at the Brownstone podcast on Instagram. Uh, But yeah, so my final thoughts on this, which I don't know if I listen back to this and I might (laughs) sort of cringe at myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, sort of like intimacy involving vulnerability, right? How we put ourselves in the space to share, to be hurt and to also hurt others. But within that sort of grow intimacy. It's like this, I don't know, like circle of intimacy and vulnerability just lead to, I don't know, one leads to the other or grows the other. But um, I want to read another excerpt from Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel to sort of close out the show. And so here it goes. It says, love enjoys knowing everything about you. Desire needs mystery. Love likes to shrink the distance that exists between me and you, while desire is energized by it. If intimacy grows through repetition and familiarity, eroticism is numbed by repetition, thrives on the mysterious, the novel, and the unexpected. Love is about having. Desire is about wanting. An expression of longing, desire requires ongoing elusiveness. It is less concerned with where it has already been than passionate about where it can still go. But too often, as couples settle into the comforts of love, they cease to fan the flame of desire. They forget that fire needs air. Ooh, Esther! Okay. <laughs> And I know that kind of seems like it may be going um, into a separate topic, right? Because I was talking about free will and autonomy in relationships, but I feel like it is necessary to have autonomy. It is necessary to practice, right? Your free will. It is necessary to have that separateness that she is talking about in order for there to be the space for continued intimacy and vulnerability and like eroticism in romantic relationships, if that is what you want within your relationship. And I'm no expert. Esther is. So I can't, you know, (laughs) speak for, for everyone, but this was just like something that I was, I don't know, something that I found really curious and something that I think for me personally is necessary in having healthy, romantic relationships and healthy romantic partnerships is having and exercising my free will and my selfhood right within the relationship or apart from the relationship and also having that sort of sharedness with my person where we can build and create the space for intimacy and vulnerability and sort of you know feed the the flames of desire as Esther said but that requires, right, like a bit of 
just always like just being yourself, right? Like not everything is always being someone has to compromise or conform to the other person. And I'm, I'm getting at is like, I had to kind of realize that was I sort of had an understanding of love and relationships that was like, if, if this person loved me, then they would do this. They would just know that this is what I needed, or they would give that to me or, they would do this, right? And they're not doing it. So that must mean that they don't love me or they're, you know, this, this connection is over or I'm going to walk away because they're not doing the things that I want them to do, that I expect them to do, that I need them to do. And it's like, yo, this is a whole separate ass human being with their own issues, their own personhood, their own dreams and goals and things happening outside of you and happening outside of your connection. And, you know, realizing like, I didn't even, I don't get to dictate what, you know, our intimacy and our vulnerability will look like. I don't get to control that. And just kind of like finding the space to be okay with that and knowing that it's actually better when I don't try to control it when I don't try to control how vulnerable I'm being and how vulnerable the other person is being. And when we get to that vulnerable space and then, okay, so you did this and you opened up to me now. So now I'm going to, you know, it's just like, just, just let it be, (laughs) let people be and let things kind of, I don't know, happen organically as they will, but understanding that there needs to be that sort of free will and there needs to be that choice, right? I need to let the other person make that choice in the same way that I want to make that choice. And within the choosing, right, there's that space for the intimacy, the vulnerability and the desire. So, you know, your girl is learning. Your girl is learning. (laughs) But once again, let me know what y'all think. Let me know if, you know, I just sound crazy or if Esther sounds crazy. Um, we could blame Esther, even though shout out to Esther Perel. Um, I love her, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that will be the end of today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening to The Brownstone with Jara Monique. Um, and once again, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Ghana, iHeartRadio, and wherever else you get your pods. And you can also follow the show on social media at the Brownstone Podcast on Instagram. And yeah, just stay tuned for next week's episode. I love you all. Bye.